And now it's the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans, the Country Roads Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome in to episode 165 of the CRW podcast. We're excited. We're ready. It's Backyard Brawl Week. It's Pit Hate Week. And it's time for us to preview the Backyard Brawl, talk about the matchups, and provide our predictions here on this episode of the Country Roads webcast. But before we get there, let's kick this thing off the way we always like to with a little bit of Mountaineer news. All right, just going to lead off Mountaineer news here with a bit of an injury update. As far as some people that were out last week in the game against Duquesne, Justin Johnson will return for West Virginia on offense, as will Devin Carter. On defense, Marcus Floyd is believed to make his return in this game, make his season debut. Asani Redwood may also make his Mountaineer debut in this game along the defensive line as he is finally available to play, according to head coach Neil Brown this week. And potentially joining him in making his West Virginia debut could be E.J. Horton at the wide receiver position on offense. A player a lot of people have been excited about throughout the offseason due to the speed he could bring to the position for the Mountaineers. So look out for him on the field on Saturday. Additionally, Traylon Ray, a true freshman wide receiver we heard a lot about through fall camp, was banged up, didn't play against Duquesne. West Virginia hopeful that he will play Saturday, but he remains questionable at this point as does Oliver Straw, who had a sprained ankle on a punt against Duquesne. Leighton Beckdale finished the game for the Mountaineers in that one, so hopefully the West Virginia punter, after having a week to rehab, will be able to go and punt against Pitt. We'll keep an eye on that one as well. Moving forward, and then lastly, on the West Virginia defense, we continue to await to hear more news about cornerback Montre Miller, but we do know that he will be out for now, and from the sounds of it, according to Neil Brown, sounds like he could be out for some time uh, moving forward on this season, so seems like it may be a long-term injury there for Montre Miller, so wanted to update the injury news a little bit here in Mountaineer News. Additionally, there is a basketball topic I wanted to cover briefly. We had covered this on the Country Roads webcast in a live stream, but I wanted to talk about it and cover it here on the podcast as well, and that is, of course, West Virginia basketball completing their roster for the upcoming season with the addition of another big man, a seven-footer who is joining the roster as a walk-on in Ali Ragab. He is coming over from Gannon University, as you see detailed in this article from Ethan Bach over on WVSportsNow.com. Seven-footer, originally a native of Egypt, so he has a great frame, seven foot, 270 pounds for the Mountaineers to be able to work with. Also, we'll have two years of eligibility remaining coming to West Virginia as a junior, really rounding out that front court that West Virginia needed to add some depth to that he can now provide to go along with Pat Sumnick, Quinn Slazinski, the St. John's transfer, and of course, Jesse Edwards, the big man from Syracuse, and a cook, a cook, the transfer from Georgetown, who are believed to be your two starters there in the front court. 
So there's a little bit of an update West Virginia basketball-wise. Let's switch back over and talk a little bit more football here in Mountaineer News. Before we close things out, our final topic here in Mountaineer News that I wanted to cover, of course, was the fact that the kickoff time for West Virginia's fourth game of the 2023 season has now been announced over this past week, and that is, of course, the game against Texas Tech taking place in Morgantown, the final game of West Virginia's three-game homestand here, Pittsburgh coming up this weekend being the second. West Virginia and Texas Tech will kick off at 3.30 p.m., and that game's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So mark your calendar, September 23rd. It'll be a 3.30 kickoff against the Red Raiders, and you'll have to tune into ESPN+, Plus if you want to watch that one. And that will put a bow on our opening Mountaineer News segment here on Season 6, Episode 165 of the CRW Podcast. And now it's time to dive in on our main segment, the good stuff, as we get set to preview the matchups between Pitt and West Virginia in this upcoming 106th edition of the Backyard Brawl in what will be one of the most anticipated games to hit Morgantown in quite some time. Going to be an absolutely absurd Saturday night atmosphere up there at Mountaineer Field. Can't wait to see it, as I'm sure you guys can can't either and I know you're ready to hear our keys to victory and hear our score predictions so with no further ado let's get into it here as Brad and I preview the upcoming game between Pittsburgh and West Virginia in the third game of the 2023 WVU football season. All right Mountaineer Nation it's that time I mean you can almost feel it in the air this week it's pit week and here to help me talk about the 106th Backyard Brawl, we're going to break down the matchups, give our key to victory, and provide our score predictions, and then take a look around the Big 12 and pick some games there as well. But joining me as always, my CRW co-host at Big Bubba Brad, CRW. What's going on, Brad? Eat shit, Pit. Hey, that's right. You know it's that week. Exactly. Ain't nothing else that needs to be said, man. Absolutely. It's that time. I'm so ready for it. I'm just like looking. I got tomorrow. It's it's currently Wednesday when we're recording this. I've got a long day tomorrow, Thursday. And then I start my trek up to Princeton, and then we're headed straight to Morgantown. Uh, actually, headed to Grafton on Friday, and then headed to Morgantown on Saturday. Going to be blue lighting all damn day. Uh, Beautiful. Going to be a good time. I need it bad. We'll, we'll, we'll break away from work, get up to Morgantown, and just, you know, yes, sir. cut loose for a hot minute. Yeah, I can't wait, man. You know, just a little over 72 hours away. Well, I guess under now at the time that we're recording this. But, uh, you know, get up there and uh, it's going to be a great time, man. That's what I said. I can't wait to see what this atmosphere is going to be like. It's going to be one of the most wild atmospheres in, in quite some time. You know, I think the last one that I can remember was 2011 LSU. That's probably the last really, really loud game that I can remember being to. Not that it hasn't got loud at times in between them, but that game was just a whole nother level, and I'm certainly expecting this game to hit that same level and maybe even surpass it. Yeah, I think for me, if I'm thinking like the rowdiest home game I've ever been to, um, I went to a Texas game, I think in 2015. I'm, I didn't really go to games until I went to college, just for everybody, uh, my little background. Um, didn't, didn't really have the chance. And so like there's one Texas game that got – pretty riled up for I think the most anticipated I was ever at for a game that I went to other than the backyard brawl last year thinking about Milan Pushkar Stadium um I think it was Oklahoma Will Greer's second year so that's what 2017 oh yeah uh 18 18 yeah 2018 and Oklahoma came into Morgantown I think we we had just we were feeling good about something but if we won we were going to the big 12 title yeah that's what it was was, was. right it was gonna be crazy and i think that it dumped snow it just absolutely weather was atrocious and not only was the weather atrocious but we got dogged on in the first half and like couldn't even come back if we're thinking about oh no that was uh that was the 2016 scholar team because that was uh, yeah yeah, because that was the first, I think they were both ranked in like the top 10 and it was the first top 10 matchup in Morgantown in like a long, yeah. like the, okay. Cause I, think, I, I don't know why I was thinking it was Will Grip. I knew, I knew it was big. I knew it was big game. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. I remember now. Yeah. Now, Cause when you said snow, then it hit me. Cause I remember that. Cause they yeah. got up like, it was like 28, seven or something. Cause we started off muffing a punt and they jumped out and then finally we rallied back. But yeah, it was, I remember watching the first half, like, Oh man, biggest game in a long time. And we're just did not show up. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> but I'm, luckily we came like back. The and game. Game. I felt like I was at in Morgantown and it just went really South. So, you know, I'm hoping this game is going to be absolutely ecstatic. 
But I think so. I think so. I overall, I think I like the matchups more. But we'll dive into them a little bit here, um, talking about those matchups. But uh, before we do, just in regards to you know the backyard brawl, kind of its history, just everything involved. There's a ton of storylines there already, just with this rivalry. But you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the magnitude of this game, Brad, and kind of get your perspective on things. You've seen a lot of things come out in the media in regards to this game being, you know very important for Neil Brown ultimately could be what his future at WVU hinges on. And thus a lot of people are saying this season could hinge on that. And then if Neil Brown's tenure hinges on this game, then the future of the West Virginia program in Essage could hinge on this game as well. So a lot of people are calling this the most important game for WVU football in you know, close to a decade, maybe. What are your thoughts on how important this game is for WVU as a program and for Neil Brown himself and his career, if he wants to, you know, remain at WVU and try and get off that hot seat that he's on right now. So approaching Neil Brown first, I don't think it's a hot take to say that this is without a doubt the most important game of his career. Like undoubtedly, like whether or not you have a job at the end of this, if you lose to Pitt, like I don't see a world, which I've been blown away by WVU athletics so far. Right. But I just don't, I can't imagine a world in which Neil Brown loses to Pitt twice, has the record that he has. There's no chance. You absolutely – this is the most must-win game I've ever seen in my life for a coach. And it's – there's no question about it. And I'm not even hyperbolizing that in the least. I agree. But I think when it comes to, like, West Virginia University and, like, our football program, I don't I, – I think that this hurts. I think that this is not great. But – if this was like six years ago, you know, in a world we lived in seven, eight years ago where NIL and transfer portal didn't exist, this might be the nail in our coffin for a while, you know, but I think that West Virginia has the structure there. I think that we have, even though right now Gordon Key and university are going through some tumultuous times and change in university policies and cutting programs and being short on money. But I think our football collective football separating away from the academics, whether people like it or not, you know, and the money's there to support the football group program, if we're being honest. And the, the structure's there in place. So I think that, you know, even if Neil Brown was removed from the situation, I think that fans would rally around a new head coach uh, if they were excited about it. I mean, obviously, you go out and hire a dud that's going to, you know, a no-name, but we would put some thought into it. And so I think that if they were to bring in a fresh face, a new name, I think the fan base is strong enough to stick around. And I think that we've got the structure and the money to make us competitive in the new Big 12. You know, we just got to find the right pieces. Yeah, that's great points right there. I, I can't disagree with you. I think that there's been multiple examples here in the past couple of years that show that quick rebuilds are possible. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, a loss – I can't say a loss would be detrimental to the program necessarily. Maybe, you know, kick you back, set you back for a year or so. But I think that more so it would just be, I guess, really hurt the morale because – you know, a lot of people have talked about when Neil Brown was hired, how much everyone lauded it as a home run, national media, local media, otherwise. And if you lose to Pitt, I think everyone's kind of at that point accepting, okay, this is kind of the end of this. This is probably going to be the last year. So I think it might, you know, make the morale feel down, make, make us feel down on ourselves a little bit, just disappointed in the way things turned out as opposed to how we thought they would be with Neil Brown. So I think the morale as a fan base would be low for a while. But like you said, I think the program could easily turn around. But I completely agree that this is certainly the biggest game of Neil Brown's time at West Virginia. And, you know, like I said, what his career could ultimately hinge on, especially after the way last season went, that's when a lot of people really, they were kind of on the fence about him, turned and have been against him ever since with the results of that game. But, you know, you can talk about the fourth down and all that. I don't want to get into that too much. You know, that's been discussed ad nauseum at this point. But having said that, I think that Mike Osti over at WV Sports now put out a great article talking about it all coming down to this pit game for Neil Brown, and I completely agree with a lot of the points that he made in that article. And um, if you want to find great West Virginia sports content, you can find it there, and he does a great job with it on WVSportsNow.com, where you'll also find our show um, here on the Country Roads webcast. We appreciate you tuning in to the video version there or on our YouTube channel. And hit the like button if you're in here doing that. It really helps this video's performance and future video's performances on the channel. And be sure to subscribe if you're a West Virginia fan gets more of this mail near sports content out to mail near nation what's 
helps grow the West Virginia brand bigger and better, which is the ultimate goal. And of course, we appreciate you guys that listen on the audio side, anywhere that you find us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. We appreciate that there. Leave us a rating and review. That helps on that side as well. But having said that, Brad, we've talked a little bit about the magnitude of this game. We know it's the 106th edition of the Backyard Brawl. First time Pitt's coming to Morgantown since 2011. So over a decade now since we've seen this game played in Morgantown. It's going to be a raucous environment, rowdy crowd. And it's also, you know, the first quote-unquote true night game in Morgantown since 2016. West Virginia's had some, but they've been on weekdays. As far as Saturday night with a post-730 kick, this is the first one in seven years. So that's just another reason this crowd's really going to be amped up. So that's got to be an advantage for West Virginia. But let's see what other advantages the Mountaineers may have. Let's talk a little bit about the matchups in this game, Brad. Let's talk a little bit about the pit offense going up against the West Virginia defense because I think that that is the area that a lot of Mountaineer fans are going to have their eyes on, especially with the secondary struggles that West Virginia has had. But in turn with that, the pit passing offense really struggled last week in that loss to Cincinnati. Their new quarterback, uh, Boston College transfer, Phil Dracovic, 10 of 32 in that game. Pitt fans were not happy with him. He was actually booed there in that home loss and uh, let them know that he wasn't happy about that in the presser, which um, he's probably going to hear it in Morgantown for sure. But in the backfield, they have some great backs. And you know Pitt's a run-first team under offensive coordinator Frank Signetti and then head coach Pat Narduzzi there. Rodney Hammond, I think, is the main one. He's a bulky guy. Then they have Daniel Carter, who's actually currently leading them in rushing. He's kind of similar build to C.J. Donaldson, 230-240. And they also have Sebo Flemister, the Notre Dame transfer, that can hurt you there. As far as their pass catchers, Bub Means has been the most targeted receiver for them, but he only has a couple catches on the season. I think you're going to look to see uh, Kanata Mumpfield get more involved in this game. He's a really talented guy out there for them. And then uh, Dejon Reynolds, a guy that transferred in from Florida, has been involved as well. And, of course, they have multiple tight ends that can hurt you. We saw Bartholomew make plays in the game against them last year, so watch out for Gavin Bartholomew on their offense. And, of course, as far as the West Virginia defense is concerned, we saw what they've kind of brought to the table thus far this season. The front seven been pretty strong. The secondary been lacking at times. But we also know and have heard from the coaching staff that the Mountaineers have implemented, implemented some changes in coverage, both how they're going to do things, who they're going to play there. And they didn't break those out against uh, Duquesne, kind of saved some things for Pittsburgh. So having said that, Brad, do you think West Virginia's kept enough close to the vest that maybe they're going to surprise us with how they play defense against this Pittsburgh offense? And how do you think they match up overall with this Pittsburgh team? I, I would love to hope and think that um, things are going to change. Our defense is just going to get it together, and we've been holding things close to the vest. That that would surprise me, but I just don't – I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to be convinced of it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm keeping the golden blue glasses off for now just because it, it's been an area of weakness for two years. We brought in a bunch of guys over the summer, and now we're down already again. People are getting hurt, and it's just, you know um, – some people have shown up. Some people have been surprises, but I'm I'm not going to expect them to get it together this game. If I'm being honest, I just haven't seen our capacity to do that yet, and so I just don't. But that being said, I do like our matchup, and I think that when you look at the front seven, they're really strong, and I think that we've had a great run defense, and so we were really good against Penn State, who had a, two top ten running backs. You know what I mean? And right. so you add in. Like that factor, I think that we're going to have a chance to stop them at what they're doing. And so I, I think that bodes well for us on that front. And I think that our defense is, is strong enough to get it done. I think our front seven is really that good. And there's adding Asani Redwood, who I really, really like. I was I was wondering if you had heard about that yet, that he's supposed to be expected oh, back. Yeah. And I like that because West Virginia already has shown that, you know, Tumiwa Duraje, the Kentucky transfer, the redshirt freshman, has really shown some pass rushing capabilities coming off the edge there. Two and a half sacks in the first two games for the Mountaineers, and he's only played about 25 snaps. So in my head, I'm just picturing maybe a pass rushing package where you get Duraje, Asani Redwood, and Sean Martin all on the field together. That would be scary in my in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, yeah. but also, again, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep harping on this because, again, it's me being critical of our coaches. They say Asani Redwood could play this weekend, and I, if we're being honest, he'll probably see like two snaps. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> yeah, literally that well, is just what they've shown so far, and it's so frustrating. And like I want to hope that they're going to change it for the pit game because this is Nebraska's most important game of his life, like we already talked about. Right. 
but can he do it? Can he actually make that jump? Neil Brown, can you make the jump from year to year? Like, come on. Well, that's one thing I'm going to be interested to see because there's a lot of guys we've heard about throughout this offseason that we haven't really seen, you know, get involved a ton yet. And I'm kind of wondering if West Virginia – well, I'm I'm kind of wondering if we took a page out of Kansas's playbook from last season. Because if you remember last season, Kansas, they, before they played us in that second game of the season, they didn't really showcase anything in that first game they played yeah, against an okay, FBS yeah. opponent. And so now I'm not saying that we could do that to the same extent where we had a Power 5 opponent before our FCS opponent, but I'm looking at it this way as far as we played Duquesne. You know, we didn't put a ton of different – you know, we were pretty vanilla for one, but also – Look at our wide receiver position in that game. We played Hudson Clement a ton. We targeted him a good bit. He ends up five catches, 177 yards, three touchdowns, gets a scholarship after the game. He's the story of the week. So who is Pitt probably scouting a lot and looking for on film? They're probably watching a ton of Hudson Clement, game planning against him. Maybe Devin Carter as well because that first performance against you know Penn State. But you know who they're not game planning for? Traylon Ray, EJ Horton, Ja'Shawn Polk. So maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit of a chess match going on, you know, prior to this pit game, and I think that maybe there's some things that we have up our sleeve. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that maybe it's golden blue glasses on, maybe it's me wishful thinking, but you know, that's just something I've been thinking about leading up to this game that I think we might have some, you know, tricks up the sleeve, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term. Well, let me let me put it this way: I think that our coaching staff is smart enough to do that, right? I think that they're like clever enough to be like, oh, we're going to pull what Kansas did last year. And then it's going to flop because we're not going to have like, you know what I mean? Like that's just like how it seems to go. <laughs> we're not going to have creative flop. enough plays for like, them or something. But actually <laughs> our guys like are just not that crisp right now. Like it's the same thing five years in a row. You know what I mean? Because it feels like Neil Brown's done that. He's been like the creative guy. He's like done something, you know, this game plan, the analytics following this. And then the Jimmys and Joes just aren't there. You know what I mean? Or they're just like the coaching is bad and the, and the fundamentals are poor. If if it's going to be that, then it needs to be that this game too. You know what I mean? Like it has to be. Like that's where we talk about like it being Neil Brown's most important game. Like if that scenario that you're talking about is like ideal, that's like beautiful. That's what I want my coaching staff to be. But like if it's going to be that, then it's got to be that now. You know what I mean? Like there is no hiding it. it. It's either that or it's nothing. And like that's scary. But there are things, I think, to make you hopeful um, as far as the matchup with this West Virginia offense and the Pitt defense. Mainly, uh, Pitt's rush defense has not shown you know, the, to be up to the normal, I guess, Pitt standard, you could say. Um, that Pittsburgh defensive line, you know, they kind of pride themselves on that front. They've led the nation in sacks, I believe, three years in a row or been top mm-hmm. two at least the three years, past three years. I know they led the nation in sacks last year. Um, so far this season – haven't graded out that well on run defense or rushing offense uh, for that matter. Um, so I think, you know, as far as the Mountaineers going up against the Pittsburgh defense, that's another thing that maybe that, you know, they know a lot about C.J. Donaldson. They're going to game plan for him. But how much do they know about Jaheim White, Jalen Anderson? Justin Johnson didn't play last week as well. I'm sure they got a film on Justin Johnson. But Jalen Anderson only has, you know, nine or ten carries this year. So they got a little bit of film on him from last year. They got a little bit of film on Jaheim White against Duquesne. But uh, they only ran, I think, one or two different plays for Jaheim White against Duquesne. So I'm sure there's more in the bag for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's going to be an exciting matchup. I think our offense is definitely going to look better in general, I think that they're getting more cohesive as they get playing time together, and I think that's nice to see. And I know I got a little bit of ahead of us there switching over to the West Virginia offense, but I wanted to bring that up when we were talking about, you know, secret weapons when we got brought up Asani Redwood because I know if I didn't bring it up then, I would have uh, it would have slipped my mind. But as far as the West Virginia defense against this Pittsburgh offense, who would you give the advantage to ultimately there uh, from what you've seen thus far over these uh, two games this season? Yeah, I'm going to give it to our defense. And like I said, I, I expect the back end to not be great, but I think that we're going to be better at stopping them doing what they like to do. And I think that our linebackers have been very impressive so far. I think that they've really um, exceeded expectations. And so, you know, that gives me a lot of um, hope for this defense yet. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think for me, though, this game's going to be a good barometer because – Like I said, we've seen that the Pittsburgh passing game has struggled uh, thus far this season, and West Virginia has done a great job stopping the run. So it's likely that West Virginia will, you know, probably do a good job stopping the run again against Pittsburgh. So to me, what this game is going to go to show is has West Virginia's secondary improved any at all from last season? 
have they improved you know from the first two games of the season till now because with what the Pittsburgh passing offense has shown if they come out and throw for you know 250 300 yards high completion percentage then I'm putting that on our secondary more than anything because mm-hmm. it, especially coming off a game where he just went you know 10 of 32 so I think that this game is going to show us a lot of where our secondary is at right now currently and I'm hoping that they show some improvements and those adjustments they made pay off. But I think overall West Virginia's defense does have the advantage because of our front seven and how well our run defense has played and how much the Pittsburgh offensive line has surprisingly struggled overall. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's uh, flip it over a little bit. We you know, kind of gave you a sneak peek there, but let's talk about the West Virginia offense against the Pittsburgh defense. Should be a good matchup here on this side as well. Pittsburgh really has some standout players on that defensive side. Uh, the defensive backfield remains strong. They're going to get up in, the, in your face there on the receivers. Press man, be very physical on you on the outside. With those corners, we know MJ Devonshire will forever live in infamy in the minds of Mountaineer Nation following the pick six to close the game last season. It wasn't enough that he spurned us in recruiting and went to Pitt, then he had to do that as well. But he's back again for the Panthers this year. Then uh, Ben Golly Kamara, I think, is going to be a very good linebacker um, right there in the middle. He's replacing Savassier Dennis, who was very good for them last season. And then pass rushing-wise, Dayon Hayes is very good coming off the edge for them. And like I said, Pittsburgh usually is known to have a very strong defensive line. Uh, They gave up some things last week. Cincinnati actually had 180 yards rushing in the first half. But they cleaned that up in the second half, and I think now having some things on film to diagnose, we'll probably see a better Pittsburgh run defense, certainly than what they put on tape against Cincinnati. But we know West Virginia's strength on offense is going to be the run game, so that appears to be a good matchup for the Mountaineers at this point. Uh, then you just got to look to the passing game. We spot, we talked about it a little bit with some of the receivers that West Virginia is going to get back for this game. Devin Carter expected back. Traylon Ray hopeful that he'll be back. EJ Horton probably is going to make his season debut. So you got some guys to get involved there. Garrett Green looked better passing the ball in week two than he did in week one. But I'm assuming that Pittsburgh game plan is probably going to be to load the box like I said, man up the corners and dare us to beat them throwing the football. So I think West Virginia's passing game is going to be tested here. But what do you think about this matchup against the Pittsburgh defense uh, for this West Virginia offense that's coming off a performance in which they just put up 600-plus yards? Yeah, I, I think the potential's there. I think the potential's high. I, I I have more faith in our offense getting it together and being able to like get some kind of game plan together um, to make it work. I'm going to be looking at who, who do I think is calling plays, right? Because there's a little bit of that something there that, you know, a little bit of something there where, where it's Coach Scott started calling the plays after the break in the second half, right. you know, and it's a little inkling that you got back there and it's like, you know, what if? Um, just like something if I notice it, you know what I mean? And I, I'm really going to be looking at does – you think, you know, playing Hudson, Clement, and Duquesne could be a distraction away from Devin Carter, et cetera. I – I think it's impressive what he did. You know what I mean? And I sent you guys in the chat the other day that Neil dropped the other day that he ran a 22.7 on the GPS. Guys, that's insane that's speed. That, that is yeah. like – kids shoot for being in the 21 club, and that's like exciting for them. They're like, oh, I'm in the 21 club. Like I'm an elite level of speed, 21 club. This guy is bre- like right there. At, like I mean, I'm sure it takes a lot of strides to get to 23, but he is 22.7. That's – I mean – He's top two, top three, top two fastest receivers on the team, and probably top five fastest players on the team with that type of speed. Absolutely, I, I mean, up there. And so, put him out there, man. Like that's one of Neil Brown's cruxes has been like not even trying them, seeing Preston Fox do something, and then we don't see him for another year and a half, you know, until this year. And it's just you know that's that Neil Brown afraid to play the young guy, afraid to try him out, test him out. It could be a distraction, but man, why not? Six foot one, he's got a little bit of weight on him, just. Put him out there. See what the hell he can do. You know what I mean? Like if nothing else is like working, try him. Don't don't be don't beat a dead horse. Right. And like it's got to be again. It's got to be this game. If you're gonna try it, try it. Like you can't you can't go out there and be losing and not try to change things up. Yeah, I think, and I'm hoping so. Anyways, it certainly seems that way from the outside looking in that. Neil Brown learned a lot of valuable lessons in last year's matchup, I feel like, especially as much as he's been harped on about that fourth down, not going for it. I'm sure he's heard about that 
a million times since then. And I think he knows how important this game is to Mountaineer Nation, to the fans. So I certainly hope and expect him to pull out all the stops in this game, but we'll see what happens. But I do like the fact of West Virginia having players that have been around this program for a while and know what this means, especially I'm thinking with the leaders like Garrett Green. He really has been around this program, you know, the entire Neil Brown era, essentially. Mm -hmm. He knows a lot about West Virginia now. You've heard him even say in his uh, press conference that he likes to consider that he grew up in West Virginia. This is where he became a man, even though he was born in Florida. And so I think he probably takes a lot of pride in this game and wants to win this game pretty badly. And then, you know, you look on the other side where, you know, Dracovic, for Pitt is, you know, from the area, but he's never really been around the rivalry up close yet. This is going to be kind of his first taste of it up close and in person. And, you know, being in Morgantown, it's going to be rabid, but it's nothing that our team, I don't think is going to be surprised by, Mm -hmm. but he very well may be, you know, at first, it may be a little bit of shot going on there. So I like that a little bit of advantage for us uh, there as well. But speaking of Garrett Green, What are you looking at for him in this game? Uh, Do you think that having the added extra element of his running ability could really hurt Pittsburgh? Because that's something we didn't see last year. He didn't get into the game any in that first matchup, which we know Pitt ultimately won 38-31. to But Garrett Green having him in there, like I mentioned earlier, Pittsburgh's a very attacking defense. Like I said, they're going to come at you. But they're also going to be man-to-man a lot on the outside. And the thing is, if they're man-to-man on the outside and they're not keeping a spy, or even if they are keeping a linebacker as a spy, we've seen Garrett Green make that guy miss, outrun him. But man-to-man on the outside – means to me if Garrett Green breaks containment, there's not going to be a lot of eyes on him. He could get, you know, 10, 15 yards downfield against that man-to-man coverage. So this could be a game, I think, where Garrett Green's scrambling ability and ability to make things happen on an improvisational level, really, you know, his ability to improvise could really help West Virginia um, in this game, I think. He could be a difference maker. What do you think? Yeah, he's definitely going to have his moment to shine. You know what I mean? And I love what you're talking about where he's been in the program the whole time. And like you said, he's got a deep love for West Virginia. And so I think that can only help us out tremendously, honestly. And I think he's going to give it his all and him being able to run. He's elite athlete. So definitely, definitely couldn't hurt. For me, it's just I'm looking more for him to have that it factor. You know what I mean? And that's just like what our program's like for a hot minute. And I think he's got it in spades. He's just got to turn that on. And so I think getting a few yards under his belt running and getting comfortable and making the defense cheat up a little bit and then being able to kind of get the throwing game going, which I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, you know, just talking about Garrett Green, what I'm wanting to see from him is just get your confidence, young man. You're a hell of a ball player. And when you believe in yourself and you go out there and play like it, I think you're going to be killer. Yeah, I agree because – I'm glad you brought that up, and I want to transition right into that uh, passing game and talk a little bit more about Garrett Green because, you know, for the deficiencies that we've seen at times this season, it seems like a lot of his, you know, quote-unquote layups he's been missing is what Neil Brown has been calling him. It's been sometimes in the short to intermediate throws, but his accuracy on deep balls has been phenomenal thus far this season. Even the ones that he's missed, a lot of those have been catchable and right there where the wide receiver can get them. And, um, you know, even looking on PFF, you can arrange it by uh, the rating by, you know, distance of target. And his 20-plus yard throws have the by far the highest rating for Garrett Green. And so I think that that could bode well as a recipe for West Virginia, especially – if we're talking about, you know, a pit defense that if West Virginia starts running the football is going to load the box and may try and load the box anyways with how West Virginia ran the ball against them last season. You know, Pittsburgh's a defense that finished top 10 in the country in rushing defense last year, and West Virginia ran for nearly 200 yards of them. I think it ended up being 190, uh, but they're certainly not going to be surprised by C.J. Donaldson. They're going to be trying to stop the West Virginia running game. If they do that, I think this is going to be an opportunity for us to see you know, we talked about Hudson Clement's speed, maybe him, maybe Traylon Ray. And the guy I'm looking at, you know, my bold prediction I made, you know, I think I made this week ago now when I heard he's probably making his debut in this game is I think E.J. Horton makes a big play for West Virginia in this game. So I think that West Virginia, especially if they can establish the run a little bit and really get Pitt creeping up, uh, play action over the top can be a weapon in this game as well with how good Garrett Green's throwing the deep ball and how West Virginia has some speedy receivers coming back and getting involved in this game or at least are expected to Saturday night. Yeah, and it's like I felt like those throws to Hudson Clement, like they 
they were well-timed throws and that doesn't matter who you're playing against. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of create those classes and at least a little bit of slacking in the defense or if defense doesn't stunt you off the jump, like that play is always going to be there. And so it, it, like you said, if we can get the run game going and just that allows us to get the passing game. If we can establish a pass whatsoever, the game's over. If we can establish a passing game in general, like we've got a, like a, a much better chance at the season, you know? And so if it takes running the ball for 150 yards before we can do it, then as long as we can do it, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the difference because, you know, we're talking about the matchups here. And I think if I'm looking at the offensive side, to me, I can't say West Virginia has an advantage, but I can't really say Pitt has an advantage either because when I'm looking at West Virginia's offense versus Pittsburgh's defense, I think rushing offense, I would give the advantage to West Virginia. But I think passing matchup, I would probably give the advantage to Pittsburgh there because I'm not sure – how West Virginia is going to fare against that man-to-man physical press coverage. Uh, we saw them struggle to get separation at times last season. Hopefully this year they're a little bit better at it, but we'll see. So I think all in all, this matchup for me is a wash. What about you? So then I would turn around and ask you, how do you feel like our line compares to their line if it comes down to, you know, run game then? I like our offensive line. I do. I think that our offensive line against their defensive line is a good matchup for us. Mainly because uh, Pitt, I think their strength is a lot on the edges. I think they're a very fast defense. So maybe our stretch plays, our outside zones might not work as much in this game. But unless they've corrected it a ton, which I don't know how much you could correct it in a week's time. If you go back and watch last week's game against Cincinnati, a lot of Cincinnati's very successful runs they had in that game were coming directly behind the center right up the gut. So that appears to be the weakness of the Pittsburgh defense right there up the gut. And if we're talking up the gut, we're talking about coming behind the center. And I think West Virginia has arguably the best center in all of college football. So give me advantage Mountaineers there in the trenches on on this offense-defense matchup. Yeah, definitely. I, I have a lot of faith in our linemen. But mostly the one thing I'm going to give us is their Mountaineers, baby. You know, they're, they're right golden blue boys. They understand – what it is and they're about it. And I think that we're going to probably see the best game from our offensive lineman that we might see even this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Great point. Three West Virginia natives along that offensive front. It's going to mean a lot to them. They're going to want this one bad. That's awesome. Can't fail to take that into account. So we've talked a little bit about the matchups here, Brad. Now let's get into the fun stuff here. Key to victory and score prediction. Let's run key to victory first. What's your key to victory for West Virginia? Getting the revenge that they so deserve on these Pittsburgh Panthers, sending them home sad as they travel back up I-79 to Pittsburgh, back there to Heinz Field slash Acrister Stadium. How are they going to hand them an L? What's the key for the Mountaineers to emerge victorious in the 106th backyard brawl Saturday night in Morgantown? Neil Brown, it's you. You're going to be the key to this win. Either you have grown, you have changed, you've got a whole team that you built. You've got every foundation you could have asked for. Your team, your time, make it your Morgantown. Get your guys ready, go into this game, and fucking win. That's awesome. I love it. It is. It is. This is 100%. This is his moment. Make or break right here. I think he's either going to get some people back on his side, cool off his seat, or the temperature is going to be hotter than it ever has been, and it could all be over for Neil Brown here. So certainly a great pick there for key to victory. Um, As for mine here, I think that we went over it a little bit here when we talked about the matchups. It's passing offense and passing defense. I think, you know, we talked about it. If West Virginia is able to pass the ball on offense, love their chances in this matchup. But I think in the same goes with the other side of the football, the secondary is the question mark of this West Virginia defense for what looks like the second consecutive season. They've said they've made some changes there. They said they're going to play tighter. They said they're going to play some different people even. Let's see what they do there. Let's see if that rings true and see if we see improvements. If we do and West Virginia is able to, you know, continue to, keep that pit passing offense looking like it did last week against Cincinnati, then I think West Virginia stands an excellent chance to win this game and win it. I don't want to say easily, but I think that, you know, I like this matchup for West Virginia a lot more than I did last season uh, when they met. But that's the thing with these rivalry games, though. 
you can be the absolute 100% favorite on paper. Doesn't matter. Throw it all out the window in these rivalry games. Pitt's going to come ready to play. They're going to be pissed off after losing to Cincinnati as well. So I think West Virginia is certainly going to get their best shot. So we're going to need that secondary to be good. We're going to need Garrett Green to be on. And we're going to need those speedy receivers to show up on the outside as well. So passing offense and passing defense are my key to West Virginia securing a victory in this one. But having said that, Brad, do you think they'll be able to do just that? Does West Virginia get that revenge over Pittsburgh and send them packing with an L on Saturday night? 28-24. Good guys? Good guys. Full send. Right on. It's going to be a crazy one. It's going to be. It is, man. It is, man. I can't wait. I, I was texting somebody the other day because we were. I was talking, you know, telling them like how important this game is, how excited I am, how this atmosphere is going to be. And I was like, literally, once it hit Sunday, once the Duquesne game wrapped up, it, the calendar turned to Sunday. I started getting nervous for this game already because mm-hmm. it's just so much on the line. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for it. But I'm right there with you. I think West Virginia is going to win this game. I hear a lot of people talk about it being low scoring, could even be like a race to 20 points. I don't know about that, but I do think it has the possibility of shaping up that way. But, you know, I think I've kind of tipped my hand a little bit here to which way I'm leaning when I've talked about these matchups. And obviously sometimes I've been known to wear gold and blue glasses a time or two, and maybe I am again but I've just got a good feeling about this one. So I'm going to go West Virginia 27, Pittsburgh 13. Mm. Yeah, I'm going going with the two-score win, man. I think – I would love for that. I would love for the anxiety to be off. I would love for the stress to not be there. If given the chance, I hope Neil runs it up. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I would – oh, boy. Chef's kiss right there, chef's kiss. Absolutely. But we're super excited for it. 106th backyard brawl coming up. Can't wait. It's going to be a fun one. And can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Following the game, be on the lookout for our review podcast where we're hopefully discussing a West Virginia win in this rivalry. But either way, this is going to be a really fun one Saturday night. Looking forward to it. Tune in to ABC, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night to watch this game between the Pittsburgh Panthers and the West Virginia Mountaineers. Given our thoughts there, key to victory and score predictions, Brad, what do you say we take a look around the Big 12? All right, to close things out here on Season 6, Episode 165 of the CRW Podcast, really appreciate you guys tuning in here for this one to our Backyard Brawl Preview and Predictions episode. Want to close it out by taking a look around the conference. Got a full Saturday slate of action, including a Big 12 Conference matchup this week that we're going to have as our game of the week for our final picks here. But me and Brad are just going to run down these games real quick and each give our pick for who we think is going to win um, these Big 12 Conference games this week. And we'll kick it off with Kansas State in Missouri playing at Missouri. Noon kick there. Uh, that's going to be on the SEC Network. Um, who do you like in this one, Brad? Kansas State's good. Missouri's bad. I think Kansas State's going to win this one with a pretty good score margin. Can't argue with that logic. Kansas State certainly looks like uh, one of the top-tier Big 12 teams this season. think they go in there and hand on SEC opponent as well. I like Kansas State too. Iowa State uh, coming off the loss in the Cyhawk robbery. Good game there. Uh, they're traveling on the road, actually, to take on a group of five opponent that West Virginia will play here in the coming seasons in the Ohio Bobcats. Uh, that also is a noon kick uh, on ESPNU there. I'm going to ride with the Cyclones here, Brad. What are you thinking? Um, my best friend's wife, Elena, she's from, uh, she went to Miami, Ohio, or sorry, Ohio Bobcats. And, uh, yeah, I think Ohio State loses. Okay. I'm going to give it to the Bobcats, man. I like it. Pulling for the upset there. Pulling for the upset. You know, they're, they're going to be excited. I'm sure with the power five team coming in. They're playing in Athens, Ohio. Yeah. You never know. You never know. I like it. I like the upset pick. Uh, then we get Long Island traveling to Waco to take on Baylor. Baylor started this season 0-2 in desperate need of a win. After watching West Virginia play Long Island, I certainly think uh, Baylor has nothing to worry about this week. They'll get the win there at noon on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, what do you think, Brad? I think they'll get the win, but I don't think it's going to be as impressive as they think. Yeah, they, they better hope that they show something because Dave Aranda's seat's uh, starting to get a little warm there, unfortunately, as well. Moving on along here, uh, Oklahoma traveling to take on Tulsa. So we got another uh, Big 12 team traveling to a group of five team on the road there. That one's going to be at 3.30 on ESPN2. I'm, I'm going to ride with the Sooners. I like what they've shown so far this season. Uh, Bradley, you picking another upset, or you think Oklahoma gets it this time? Nah, it's going to be Oklahoma for me, fam. 
Yeah, got to be. Got to be. Sooners look improved this season. Uh, next up, we got a Big 12 newcomer in action. Villanova heads down to the bounce house in Orlando there to take on UCF. 6.30 kick there on ESPN+. Plus. Brad, who you got in this one? Yeah, Villanova's about to get bounced up out of that house. I <laughs> uh, see what you did there. I like it. You know, uh, I don't think I've picked against UCF hardly any this season. I'm not going to start now. Um, Gus Mall's on fan. I feel like I say that every time I talk about UCF, but, hey, I like the guy, so i got to bring it up. Uh, I think that they get it done. I think they're going to be without John Reese Plumley, if I'm not mistaken, but either way, I think that they still got the horses to beat Villanova. I'm riding with UCF as well. Then we get South Alabama traveling to Oklahoma State, playing in Stillwater, also on ESPN+. Plus. That's going to kick at 7 p.m. Oklahoma State played three quarterbacks in both of their first two games. Got a bit of a carousel going there, but, you know, Mike Gundy found a way to win against the Power 5 opponent last week in Arizona State. So I certainly think they get the win over South Alabama. What do you have in that one? Yeah, I'm not going to bet against Mike Gundy. Never bet against Gundy. Next up, we got Texas Tech taking on Tarleton State in Lubbock. Another 7 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. I'm riding with the Red Raiders here to get uh, on the winning side this for the first time this season. Yeah, that's a, that's a chocolate one up as a dub. Yep. Dubsky there for the Red Raiders. And then we got Miami of Ohio traveling to Cincinnati. Bit of an in-state matchup there. 7 o'clock kick in that one as well. Also on ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to ride with the Bearcats. You know, early in the season, I had them projected as one of the lower tier t- Big 12 teams. But after what they showed against Pittsburgh, I think they actually look like they're going to maybe make some noise and maybe be one of the better uh, new additions to the Big 12 conference out of these four new teams that have joined the conference this year. I think I like what Cincinnati's shown. Their defensive line looks really good. I think they have two or, two or three guys at the nose tackle position that are 330-plus pounds. So their defensive line looks really stout. I'm getting them to get the win over Miami, Ohio here. Uh, Bradley, what are you thinking in that one? Yep, I'm taking the team from Ohio. <laughs> team from Ohio coming mm-hmm. out on top. Absolutely. <laughs> But uh, we talked about the backyard brawl. We're rolling with the Mountaineers in this one. Uh, Be sure to let us know your picks for the West Virginia-Pittsburgh game down in the comments below. And give us a good old eat shit pit. Give give us an eat shit pit in the comments. Yeah, throw throw an eat shit pit in the comments as well. Got to have that in here also. I've been getting everybody from my work to say it because I'm down in Charlotte now, so a lot of people don't know. And so – there you go. Got to teach them. Get them on the West Virginia side of things there. Uh, the next up, we'll have a BYU traveling to take on an SEC opponent, Arkansas. We talked about the Big 12 newcomers. BYU is another one there traveling to take on an SEC opponent. Tough matchup there. 7.30 kick at Arkansas. That's going to be on ESPN, too. I think Arkansas is going to manage to uh, defeat BYU there. Um, what's your pick, though, Brad? Give me the bacon. Okay. Yep. Right there. Pig suey, baby. And then we got Wyoming traveling to take on Texas. We've seen Wyoming upset a Big 12 team already once this season, but Texas sure is riding high, beating Alabama. That's going to kick at 8 o'clock p.m. on the Longhorn Network. Not picking against Texas right now. They certainly looked apart this season. Yeah, horns down, but definitely not going to lose this one. Wyoming's playing on the Longhorn Network. That's embarrassing. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Sheesh. Uh, then we'll go, uh, we'll skip the next one. Like I said, that's going to be our game of the week this week. So we'll go down here Kansas versus Nevada. Late kick there. Kansas traveling out West Coast to Reno to take on Nevada for a 10 30 p.m. Eastern time kick on CBS Sports Network there. I really like the Jayhawks. They got Jalen Daniels back. He looks just as good as last season, if not even improved in his first debut action last week. I think they're going to go out there and get the win over Nevada. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I'll be asleep, but rock rock, chalk Jayhawk, baby. They're definitely going to win that one. Game of the week, though. We got a Big 12 conference matchup, first one of the season here. TCU taking on one of the Big 12 newcomers, the fighting Dana Holgerson's over there at Houston. Game taking place in Houston. Dana Holgerson could certainly deserve a get-right win, struggling a little bit right now after that upset loss. Uh, They suffered two rice in double overtime last week. Houston defense looks to be struggling again. Eight o'clock kick on that one. It's going to be televised on Fox. Um, I'm 50-50, but I'm going to go TCU. I think, you know, Houston's going to be hungry. Uh, It's probably going to be a good game, but I think with Houston's defense, TCU is going to be able to score enough, and they'll probably win in a shootout. I'm going TCU. Uh, see, I'm thinking shootout too, but I'm thinking Houston. 
I think that, you know, Dana gets them together a little bit, even though I think TCU's might be a better team. I just think that Dana Holgerson knows how to win a shootout. So I, uh, I'm going to take Dana Holgerson in the shootout. Not a bad pick. I don't blame you. I think you could certainly go uh, either way in that one. Definitely. That's uh, what we got as far as big 12 action uh, this week, running through the slate there. Uh, the game of the week outside of the Mountaineers, we got TCU in Houston, but I think there are not very many games coming up on the slate this week in all of college football that will match this backyard brawl coming up. I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. We went over that, but I think it's going to have awesome television ratings as well. So if you're not getting a chance to go to Morgantown, be sure to tune in on ABC. It's going to be a fun one. Super excited. But having said that, Brad, we've talked about the matchups, key to victory, gave our predictions for this one, and looked around the conference at some other action coming up in week three. Any other thoughts, anything you want to touch on here before we wrap up on episode 165 here of the CRW podcast? Country roads. Hopefully we're singing it Saturday night, man. Hopefully we're singing it Saturday night. Dude, if I if we don't win, man, I I, I told my work. I said, don't, don't talk to me for the next week. Don't, <laughs> don't think about it. I, I, I'm right there. I'm, it's it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be bad. That's gonna be a tough one to swallow. It's gonna be a tough one to swallow for sure. But I'm ready. I mean, like I said, I've been nervous already, anxious, draw. excited, adrenaline already running. I feel it, you know, Saturday I'm going to be playing that Phil, Phil Collins all day. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Yeah. You got to hit that drum solo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those, man. It's going to be one of those, guys. Get ready for a special atmosphere in Morgantown. We've missed night games in Morgantown. Special time, special place where Mountaineer magic can happen, and hopefully we get to see some more of it happen. Coming up this Saturday night, September 16th, be there. If you're not in the bleachers there at Mountaineer Field, be there on your couch with your TV tuned into ABC or your radio tuned into the Mountaineer Sports Network because I think we're going to be in for a fun one, and hopefully it's a Mountaineer victory. Either way, we'll be back here afterwards to talk about it with you guys with episode 166, our Backyard Brawl review and reactions episode. So be on the lookout for that. Coming out in the next few days following the game. And appreciate you guys tuning in here in the meantime to episode 165, whether you tuned in on the Country Roads webcast YouTube channel or on the WV Sports Now channel, as you can find our show on the web at wvsportsnow.com. Be sure to hit the like button before you head out. Subscribe. It helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out the Mountaineer Nation. Give Brad a follow on Twitter at Big Bubba Brad CRW. You can follow the podcast on Twitter slash X as well at WVU Country Roads. Check us out on any podcast platform. If you like the audio version, as I said earlier, just hit us up there, Country Roads Webcast, and you can find us. We appreciate a rate and review on that side. Having said that, that's going to wrap us up here on this episode of the CRW Podcast. We're looking forward to a Mountaineer victory coming up Saturday night in the Return of the rivalry to Morgantown. Going to be a fun one as the 2023 West Virginia football season rolls on. For my co-host Bradley, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...